The world of entrepreneurship is painted in a rosy colored glow. Everybody talks about how awesome it is. Everybody talks about how glamorous it is. Everybody talks about the money and the, the, all those accolades that you know we think we want or maybe that we think we deserve or maybe that we think we can achieve. The truth is entrepreneurship is awesome, but it's wrought with perils. It's wrought with heartaches and headaches and stress and miserable failures, which become lessons and education to create those great successes. Our guest today is not afraid to talk about those. He's gone from $150,000 a month to not being able to pay for a $30 lunch. His story is powerful, but more importantly, his lessons and his wisdom and his guidance in this episode are powerful. Make sure to check the entire thing out. Watch it till the end. You're not going to miss this on this episode of AMPM Podcast. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AMPM Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM Podcast. We talk about a lot of things. I usually start off by saying e-commerce, but lately we've been talking a lot about life. We've been talking about growth. We've been talking about marketing. We've been talking about entrepreneurism in general. And today's guest, we have Nick Cavuto, not to be confused with Caputo, as I uh, recently figured out, <laughs> getting a little, uh, a little sidetracked there on a Netflix series. Nick has some pretty great wisdom to share with us today. He's got a pretty cool story, and he's been pretty successful in the past. Nick, some of the headlines, you've had over a billion social media impressions. You've been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, the Gary Vaynerchuk blog, like all of the things that we all aspire to accomplish, you know, these great accolades. How did you get to that point? Like what landed you in the position right now where you are a social media marketing guy? Like, like what's your resume leading up to this point? Yeah, man. So first, I just want to thank you for uh, the opportunity to sit here and chat with your community. It's an absolute honor, man. So thank you for that. And um, yeah, so jumping into the story, I mean, uh, it's going to kind of shock you where I'll start with this. But, you know, my normal was actually at 21 years old. Um, I had fouled out of college twice. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And um, always like really successful in sports and had, had a great family upbringing, went to private school, you know, like all those, all the proper things. But I was really lost in the journey of like what I wanted to spend my time doing and what I wanted to really, you know, what difference I wanted to make in the world. And so uh, the first kind of explosion that hit where I had an opportunity to really excel was that, you know, after not completing college and figuring out what the next step was. I said, you know what, why don't I just like serve humanity? Like wh what's the best thing that I can do to just kind of make the game simple and actually show up and help someone? And that came in the context of a nonprofit, which was actually in vocational ministry. So to cut the line, like I was basically a pastor for seven years. That's where I started. And, um, you know, the thing that was interesting about that journey um, leading up to the finish line was that the day that I quit uh, ministry, we had grown the organization from 1,000 to 10,000 people every weekend. Um, and it was really awesome. We had a lot of traction, you know, like filling out arenas. And I was running all the marketing for that while also at, at that time, I was about 24 running an eight-figure budget, um, you know, under the leadership 
of the guy who was one step above me. But really, you know, I had a permission early to be successful and also to, uh, you know, have lessons that were learned through failure. And um, the day that I left uh, was a really tough day, man, to be just super transparent. I had a panic attack under my desk. Um, uh, I had a weekend experience. And um, the reason why is the key here. It was because people had become a commodity to the organization. And that was a hard thing for me, a very hard thing. I showed up to serve. I showed up to be you know, somebody who could create transformation for others. And it led to a point of where that whole entire narrative actually flipped. And it became about the success of the organization and all the wrong things. And so when that explosion hit me, man, and I just like was like, wow, I, I can't be a part of this anymore. It was really, really traumatic. It was a tough experience for me. But the benefit of what the new normal became after that was really getting back to the center of helping other people. I knew that my thesis was to essentially empower people to actually be able to show up in the world the best way that they can, which has allowed, I believe, a lot of the success around me. It's been around investing in others, seeing them rise, seeing them succeed, and just having the right intent and the heart behind it. And so all the accolades, it's funny, like I always feel like you're talking about somebody else, you know, <laughs> but like at the end of the day, like I, I, you know, I accept those things. I, I accept them. Um, yet at the same time, understanding that like integrity always wins in doing the right thing. It's always the right time to do the right thing. And so a lot of the things that have been, you know, what I would count as success in my professional career have come down to the intent and also the ability to leave something that I thought I'd be a part of forever, really in the quest and the seeking for what my greater calling and purpose was. So sure. I've always been centered around that bigger idea. I've always had this stronger connection to source and allowing that to be a lot of the fuel um, as far as the things that I do in the world. So, you know, a lot of those things, they just feel like they just happened, you know, but it had to do with my alignment uh, and sure. what I was really aligned to and where my vision was. So, yeah. So you've talked about your professional career. What has been your professional career? You know, we talked about your first uh, eight-year endeavor, but but what have you done? How do you go from huddled up in the fetal position under your desk, you know, <laughs> uh, leaving a, a kind of ministerial position to, you know, getting in Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine? Like, like give, me, give me the brief resume highlights leading up to that. For sure, man. So when I left ministry, the like literally as soon as I left, I had a buddy who got me a job at a medical startup in New York. And, um, and so uh, the cool scenario in that was that I had an opportunity to do something really special. It was a company that was probably around like 15, 20 million, but they were the main competitor to Invisalign. So it was disruption. And I was like, yo, I'm all in, like, let's do this. And so that first company that I worked for um, created a lot of disruption for them. I took $100,000 in print advertising spend, moved it over to digital and took them from five leads a month to 500 leads a month in nine months. And that was through the integration of HubSpot and some other platforms. And at that point, like I hadn't even finished college yet. I did go back to school and finish, by the way. But um, at that point, I wasn't done. And so what was really interesting was like the first at bat that I had, there were two key components to my success at that startup. Number one was confidence. I had to know that whatever strategy I laid out on the table for them, I had to know that I was making the right move. And the second one was competence. I had the reps previously from being around C-level executives and people who were, who were running a very you know, successful and a lot, of, a, lot of, uh, uh, a lot of money was going through that organization. So I had to have that, that competence to run a high revenue system and also to get the results that they were looking for. So that's where the whole trick, like that's where the whole thing started playing out was competence and confidence. I was there for a year and a half and grew the company by $5 million in nine months. 
that was really the story there. Now, when I asked them for more responsibility, they were like, here, you can take over email marketing, you know? And I'm like, y'all just don't get it. <laughs> I was already doing that. But in addition, like after growing the company that quickly, um, you assume that there'd be more responsibility given. So quick decisions on this stuff of just like knowing my calling, but also having confidence and confidence are always the growth curve of where you'll reach the next level. So I went from that startup to Fortune 500. Uh, I got a gig um, as a, uh, in product marketing at Paychex, which is essentially they paid like one out of every 10 mm -hmm. private sector employees in the United States. So went to work for them. Same thing happened. They gave me three underperforming brands. I took all those brands and doubled their revenue in six months. So again, same thing, same big idea, understanding where to apply pressure, what to shift as far as strategy or tactics uh, or even mindset. A lot of transformational work was done with a lot of the reps as well. So after Fortune 500, I was there for a year. And again, it was like one of those scenarios where I'm like, I'm not done yet. So I got a call from one of the HubSpot executives uh, that did a case study on us from the first company I told you about. And she said, hey, uh, I'm launching this new incubator um, and I want you to come run our marketing. So just name your offer. So um, at that point, I was like, okay, so I want 150K and I want another 150K in bonuses. And mind you, when I left ministry, I was making $25,000 a year, okay, a year. And so just in about, you know, uh, a year and a half, two years, maybe 26, 28 months, I went from making that to having a 300K deal on the table. So like 10X my income in a very short amount of time. And so went to the VC, zero to 3 million in 18 months. Then I exited that uh, and I went and built my own consultancy, uh, which I had started, but I had someone behind the scenes running most of it. And then I leaned into my own personal brand and then tripled the revenue of my personal brand in the first quarter of me just focusing my full attention. So that's really like how this whole thing started. And then that, that agency that I started ended up doing, you know, multiple six or multiple uh, seven figures a year. And then I kind of fell back out of alignment again. And that's where like the, the story of failure, you know, started coming in was in really understanding that season of that next seven year period. So. Got you. So doing well, right? Like that's the highlight that I'm seeing. Like things are going sure. well. Uh, you're making good money. You're still young. You know, you've, you've got a lot of, you know, flexibility to, to kind of chase what you want to chase. And one of the highlights that I've seen, you know, reading your profile is you talked about, you know, going from massive earning to literally not being able to pay for a $30 meal. Right. And I think this is important because there are so many people that get discouraged. And, and the truth is entrepreneurs, like we suck at a lot of stuff. We make a lot of dumb mistakes. Sometimes it's just bad luck. I mean, COVID hits and knocks, you know, very successful restaurants out of business forever. It's nothing that, that, that was their fault. I remember um, when I first, you know, I was trying to leave a nine to five job, so to speak, and I was getting more entrepreneurial, wanting to, to chase some of my own business stuff. My father-in-law, you know, he told me, he said, there's no way you're smart enough. You're capable enough to run your own business. He said, and every business goes bankrupt. He said, if you're an entrepreneur running your own business, you are one paycheck away from being bankrupt at any given time. And he meant this as a criticism. And I thought, man, how cool is that? You know, because if you're one paycheck away from, you know, failure, you're also, you know, one week or one, uh, you know, marketing campaign or one opportunity away from massive success. And I started thinking about all of the business successes. I mean, you read the story of, you know, the founder of Nike who, you know, couldn't make his payroll at, at times. You know, I, I look around at like local businesses, um, property developers that have gone bankrupt three or four times and they're raging successes. And I didn't take that as a slight from him because I knew that that's just part of the journey that I was willing to take. 
but it sucks. It's hard. There's anxiety, there's depression, there's failure, there's, you know, lack of confidence. And I think that hearing, you know, your story of how you've gone through that is important because everybody that's listening to this, whether they have or or they will, you know, in pursuing a business opportunity or business uh, journey, entrepreneurial journey, are going to find those failures. Now, it may not mean that they'll run into situations they can't pay for a meal or they go bankrupt, but you know that there are things that don't work. We're not 100% successes all the time. So, tell us about how you dropped into that that pit. You know, like how did that happen? What led up to that? And then how did you crawl back out of that seemingly, you know, like despair, you know, feeling? Yeah, man. There's two principles here that are really, really important. The first one is that success isn't singular, it's sequential. And so like as you grow and you become more successful, like you, you have to understand that the journey is kind of like a, it's kind of like a wave that rises um, and there's going to be peaks and valleys. And you've heard that before, but, but when you experience it, it has a whole different level of meaning and also truth to it. So that's the first thing. Like the success part was easy in a lot of ways because we had more money. But it also made a lot of relationships really complicated because then there were expectations that were set and, you know, everyone wanted your time who was trying to figure out what you were doing. And like, there's a lot of different elements around it. So like, it is sequential, meaning there's levels to it. And it doesn't just happen once. If you were, if you hit it once, you can do it again. And so if there's somebody out there who's in a really hard season, maybe post COVID or the season that we're in right now, or, you know, it's, you know, something of where you want to start the next big idea. Like your success will build upon itself. It has like compounding interest and you learn more as you go, but you got to play this mind game with yourself at the six inches between your ears and be very aware of the mindset that you're bringing into your business because money is a container and it's a container of energy. And so the, the, the transaction happens on a transformational level or is happening also on a very basic level of like, hey, I want to exchange X to Y and I want to see how you can provide that transformation for me. And so it's it's a very interesting exchange. And so I just want to make sure that that concept is held on to. Sure. And the second thing around success, you know, that it's it's sequential is that failure isn't final. And so I'm going to tell you guys that part of the story about failure and what I experienced. So after I built the agency, uh, we went for about a three-year run rate. Uh, my best friend of 25 years was the one who was helping me run it. He came in probably about a year and a half into the business. Um, and I remember this was in 2018. We're getting through really the highest you know, revenue we ever had, almost saying $200,000 a month in revenue. Uh, and it was pretty easy. Like I didn't actually want, run one ad. Like client delivery was the reason why we were so good. Relationships and having tight relationships with the people that we served is why it was so successful. But at the end of 2018, I just moved my family across the country. Um, I was feeling like I knew something was shifting for me. Um, I knew there was bigger questions that were coming up. You know, it's kind of like when you solve all your money problems. I mean, I pay off my student loans in a month, like seventy, eighty thousand dollars, like instantaneous, just gone, right? So it's like when you have different levels of problems, it really makes you now start thinking at a different level. And the biggest misstep that I had in this season was that I didn't have a mentor, that I didn't have someone walking me through that scenario. And be it somebody who had also already been through it. That was a huge, huge part of it. I did have somebody who I was working with like on values and goals for the business, but I didn't have a mentor. I had like somebody who was more systems and process oriented. And that just suffocates profit if you're not in the right mind space. So the end of uh, September 2018, I hired six people. I hired a COO. I hired a bunch of media buyers, a bunch of creatives. 
And I basically was like, I'm done. Like, I'm going to back out. I'm going to go to founder mode. And like, I just want you guys to figure this out. I was at a hundred hours a week. You know, my marriage was on the rocks, like kids relationships. Like I just felt like I had missed them so much. I didn't see them the way that I needed to. Um, we moved it from a, you know, 6,000 square foot house in New York into a, you know, 2000 square foot townhouse in Denver. And that came with its own like challenges and stuff. So, um, you know, life still goes on when you're having challenges in your business, life still is going to happen. But what ended up happening was had the crew, uh, we went from about 200 K a month. We'd probably dropped to about 120 uh, over the next six months or so, but it was still, there was so much profit. It was totally fine. And then this is when everything started to shift. One of my media buyers and my buddy who uh, who started, well, didn't start with me, but about a year out. So he really ran with me for most of the time of the agency, um, decided to go do their own thing because they didn't like the COO. And so they both quit within two weeks of each other, the main guy for paid media. And then uh, my the guy who was running a lot of the operational stuff within the business and also held a lot of the relationships because I delegated a lot of relationships so that I can do some inner healing work to the person who I trusted most in the world. It's always a bad idea. Never delegate your relationships. That will screw you. I promise. It's true. And so in uh, February and, and March of 2019, both those guys left. Uh, they stole my leads list. They stole my IP. They stole my customer list and basically took us from you know 120. After that hit, we dropped to like 60. And then I was like, I don't even want to be doing this. But I didn't have the courage to let the team members and the employees that I had just go. So while I was trying to figure it out, we ended up bottoming out the business in a lot of ways because they were creating tons of friction. This is a small niche that we were working within. So they were just like trash talking, right? All these things happen. All these external things that don't really matter, uh, but they do for certain reasons. But we get to the point basically of where I have a run rate that's negative for three months. I got $200,000 in the debt. Now, I have never had debt in my life. Zero, like besides some student loans or a mortgage, but like never business debt, never like credit card debt personally or anything like that. Never. So I don't even know how to deal with this problem. And within <laughs> three months, we basically go 200K into debt. And um, that was an earth shaker for me. Um, and I kind of maintained the entrepreneurial, like, you know, uninformed optimist. Like, I don't really know how bad it is. So I'll just, you know, let's just keep going and we'll just, we'll solve it. And um, from, you know, the summer until December, it was one of the hardest time periods of my entire life. Um, I had to make a lot of really hard decisions and I had a lot of arguments with God around, what do you want me to do? And I think that spiritual or that source connection is really important because it helps you navigate some of these tough waters. Yeah. And when I asked the question, it was like, I want you to pastor entrepreneurs. And that was a very, very hard for, thing for me to accept um, because I had one dirty word mixed with something that I really loved and was passionate about. Um, and so in December of 2019, I made, or yeah, December 2019, I made the decision like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to mentor entrepreneurs and help them basically not relive the same mistakes that I have. And um, it was at the end of the summer that, you know, I went from like looking back on my life for the last six months, I was like, I went from making 150K a month with like, you know, 70% profit, whatever, to not being able to afford a $30 meal. And I was sitting across from one of my buddies who lives in Denver, who's a photographer, who's like a freelancer, like 60, 70K a year. And he had to pay for my meal. There was a moment where I promised myself, this will never happen again. And I remember that so vividly. And it wasn't, it did hurt. 
um, on a humility level, but there was also like a surrender to the process at that point. And that's where things started to shift because the beautiful thing in the story is that the pain that I had led to the promise of what my purpose was. And so we all have to go through these seasons and sometimes it reroutes the journey. It's like being on the highway with a GPS and it recalculates and pulls you a different way. And then you find out, oh my gosh, there's a huge boulder that fell on the highway. Thank God this thing, this GPS rerouted us for a reason that we didn't even know in the moment. And so that's kind of how I feel that life works in a very similar way. Um, sometimes we get rerouted and we don't understand. We want to like, you know, uh, be frustrated in the moments of uncertainty and then just, oh, everything's perfect. Uh, this too shall pass on both sides. And that's something we have to yeah. keep in perspective. And we as humans hate change. But we also do totally. a lot of boneheaded things. We make a lot of mistakes. And I think that, you know, what you're saying is something that I think deep down I know, but even myself, it's hard for me to remember that. You know, I have the confidence of an entrepreneur and I have these, what I think are great ideas, but I also hold on too long. You know, I keep trying to make this work and I keep trying to fix it and I keep trying to, you know, right the wrongs and I keep trying to do all these things. And, you know, sometimes you got to take it up back and shoot it, so to speak. And, you know, having something ripped from you, you know, having to say no to something, having to, to stop something that, you know, you felt so passionately about or something that was working for so long is hard. But in my experience, every time that's happened to me, I came out better on the other side. And, you know, people make comments like, wow, you seem so much happier now. You don't seem as stressed. And, you know, once I get over my own bullcrap and I get over this, you know, my own personal feeling of failure, I realize nobody else cares. I'm the only one that considers <laughs> myself a failure because nobody else gives a crap, right? And I think that we worry too much about, you know, what our idea of what we're supposed to be doing is instead of things letting take their natural course, whether it's destiny or divine intervention or just, you know, good luck, whatever it is. So you're only six, seven months out from kind of this, this bottom point in your life in your life. And right now, you know, you would have, you would have never guessed six months ago that you'd be as happy and content, I assume as you are right now. Right. Yeah, man. No, totally not. Yeah. I mean, so December comes around, I fully commit and I'm like, all right, you know what? If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Fine. Right. It's kind of like that argument with God in my basement where I'm like one thirty in the morning, like screaming. because I'm so frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want yeah. from me? You know, my wife probably thinks I'm like totally losing it. And um, so I got clarity though in that moment. That's the crazy thing is I got clarity. And I don't care where you get clarity from. I don't care what you believe in. Sometimes you got to lean in at a different level in order to get a different response. And I did. In an instant, I got the clarity. And then I said, fine, I'm going to commit to it. So went to my coach and I said, hey, man, listen, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. I love your model. Do you mind if I leverage it in order to start, you know, this coaching side just to get me through this season? And he's like, sure. And at this point, you know, I probably still had like 30K a month from, from the agency that we had. But that's a, that's a far shot from where we started at the beginning of the year. But it was enough to like still take care of home. There was still kind of a safety net there. And uh, he's like, sure, just get three people. Um, just start there. Here's the price you do it for. And let's go. My coach, his name's Mike Kim. Uh, he's one of the best copywriters on the planet, um, associated with Todd Herman, Donald Miller, and you know uh, Michael Hyatt, John Maxwell, all those guys. So he's like the genius behind a lot of them. And so um, basically, so he says, yes, and here's what you can do. Go for it. I closed 35 clients in 35 days into coaching. And now, mind you, I, I had never coached before in the context of business. I knew business really well, usually from the face plants, but like 
at the same time, like I just knew that there was something special about my ability to coach or mentor or whatever because of my past. You know, I was leading people through divorces at 23, 24 years old. That's not normal, right? To understand yep. human behavior on that level of the effects of spirituality in life, it also pulls into the effects of business in life in a very similar way. So I was like, hey, let's go ahead and do this. He says, get three people. I get 35 in 35 days. And he's like, oh my God, what did you just do? <laughs> and he loved it. He thought it was amazing. And so we go through month one, like, boom, we crush it. Like have a video crew come out, like just these incredible expressions. I remember the first call, the guy, uh, one of the guys who gave me the job at the, uh, at the first business that I worked for, uh, that was a competitor to Invisalign. He was on that call with me. It's so cool how people boomerang in your life. And he goes, dude, I think you just found your calling. And that was like such a cool moment of the solidification of that decision. And also like in a completely different vertical in space. And sometimes we jump verticals or we go into different spaces. But like when you have that deposit of there's ultimate alignment here, it feels really amazing. So month one, boom, like we crush it. Um, I do an upsell. <clears throat> We're going to do 100K that quarter. Uh, group two goes. We do a live event in Denver as well. Crush it. Like it's amazing. Beautiful production of these videos. Uh, group three hits. Just about to do their live event. It's right in the middle to, to the end of March. So now we have COVID. So I just built a business that was predicated on coaching and live experiences. <laughs> yep. And now it's like, oh, let me take that. Oh, no, by the way, the $30,000, $40,000 a month that you have an agency, let's erase that overnight. And in two days, I lost 500 grand recurring in two days. At the end of March, I'm sitting there. I have $4,000 committed for April 1st. I have kids in private school. You know, I have a million dollar house. Because yeah, Denver's not cheap. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's Denver. Like if you start adding it up, like life didn't just stop because, oh, I had some circumstance or COVID or this or that or whatever. It didn't stop. Yeah. And then you have the argument of, but that's what you told me to do. And now I'm left with nothing. Hard stuff. And most, most people, this is the, ep like, this is the epidemic in entrepreneurship. These conversations don't happen. Cause you got to keep the highlight reel with the Ferrari so that you can try to get the person to show up or the, you know, Airbnb mansion. That's not even yours. Like yep. th that conversation's done. And I've seen that topic that you've discussed before. I think you called it the entrepreneur epidemic, you know, like this inability for entrepreneurs to have the hard conversations to, to speak truth, you know, to, to be realist and be realistic. Can you explain more about, you know, what, not necessarily about you, but let's talk just marketing in general. You're in the marketing space. Let's talk more about, you know, what you view as truly being the entrepreneur epidemic, the problems that it causes in society and, and how we as entrepreneurs need to fix that. Yeah. I mean, here's the bottom line. The epidemic is that the conversations that need to be had are not being had. Just like there's an epidemic in the United States in regards to mental health in a lot of ways. Um, you know, everybody has to like, it feels this way. So let me be careful how I say this, but it feels like there's a lot of people who feel like they have to project a certain image or avatar to the world in order to show up as who they are. And it's just not true. I mean, one of my best friends who's in the uh, internet marketing space has been, he's been an entrepreneur for 20 years. He's like, I have felt like I can't be who I am because I have to project the image that I've created digitally. And that sucks. That is not a life worth living. Not that I'm suggesting that you end it, but I'm suggesting that you fix it. And that's a huge part of this story, man, is like that 
the stories of failure for me going 150K to like not being able to afford a $30 meal. You think that's a fun story for me to tell? Like that sucks. Like it brings up a lot of stuff, but I know it's going to help somebody who feels like they're there right now. One of my best friends in the world is Marion Jones, like the Olympic runner from Sydney. You know, like if you go back to that story, now she goes around the world telling her story and it's about failure. And I remember asking her a question. I was like, Marion, like, this has got to be amazing. Like for you to go and tell your story. She's like, you think it's amazing for me to travel the world and talk about my failure? And that's the mind of a champion. So I'm looking at it going like, man, these conversations had to have to be had because it's either going to give someone tremendous hope to not throw in the towel on themselves, on their family, on the relationship, on their marriage, on their business, whatever it is. Or it's going to show them that the path is not easy, but it's worth it. Because my story didn't end at like $4,000 in, in April. Like I, I probably wouldn't even be having this conversation if that was the case. Um, <laughs> that's true. But like, that's the thing is there's swings that happen. And so there's an epidemic where we don't necessarily talk about spirituality. There's an epidemic where we don't talk about failure. There's an epidemic where we don't talk about just actually showing up as your authentic self digitally and actually giving a crap about the people that you serve. Like it's important. The best marketing strategy ever is to care. If you truly authentically give a crap, people will be able to see it because we're wired to notice what's different. And most people do not show up in that way. That's part of what I'm charting out. I feel like people have a mandate. I feel like people have a significant level of a calling that they're supposed to objectively complete in the world. And so when I pack that punch, it really helps awaken what's deeper inside of you. Who cares if it creates an uproar? Who cares if it flips your current business? Because I promise you on the opposite side of that is a promise. And that promise is so much more worth it than just projecting and just standing out in the world, like pretending you have to be someone who you're not. I agree. It's tough. You know, it, it takes a lot of courage for sure. And sure does, one man. thing that I'm learning in life is everybody's got some crap they deal with. Everybody. Mm -hmm whether it's history, whether it's present, whether it's mistakes they've made, whether it's, you know, bad luck they've had, like we've all got it. And I do feel like, especially in the, the world of social media, you know, especially as it pertains to marketing is everybody has to put on that face and they have to put on that, that tough, you know, facade and entrepreneurs are actually held to a different level. Like, cause we see, you know, the big success stories and the Mark Zuckerbergs and all these people and, you know, the Jeff Bezos's of the world. And we implement this own standard on ourselves that's not appropriate, like it's not realistic. And we assume like we have to have that level of quote unquote success. But even those guys aren't talking about the miserable failures they had and the, you know, debilitating, you know, anxiety and, you know, stress and all that stuff. And I think you're right. And I think that not only does it create a scenario in which we need to cover up our own shortfalls and cover up our own insecurities and cover up our own struggles, but it creates an unrealistic expectation of excellence. Mm -hmm. So the first time we launch a failed product, the first time we have a failed campaign, the first business that we have that fails, we throw in the towel and we assume, well, crap, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do it. Everybody else did it. Why can't I? I'm too stupid. I'm, I'm not educated enough. I don't have the support system that I need. Like there is a reason why I can't do this. And I think that it's a massive fallacy that, that we fall under just because we're not being realistic because the people that we're watching aren't being realistic. 
Yeah, it's that it's that repetitive loop of the paradigm is to fit this box. But if you don't, then how do you compete? I flip that whole entire methodology on its head. When I coach people on the seven steps to build a seven figure personal brand, the first thing that I start with is story. It's the very first thing that I start with. You know, I didn't get into like full story. My dad was a drug dealer till he was 30. That's what I grew up in. You see what I'm saying? Like he had to go re-engineer the way that he lived life and find a greater purpose and find a connection to source that would pull him out of those things. It's all he knew as an eighth grade education. Like, so when people start telling their story, it creates context to their failure and it creates context to their success. And so my, my thing, like I go real and raw is better than authentic. So I teach people how to get in front. Content creates, uh, uh, content creates relationships. Relationships build trust and trust drives revenue. That's the coaching process that we go through when it's like, okay, so how do I go? How do I go connect with my audience in a greater way? My first thing is like tell a personal story that's vulnerable that creates transparency between you and your audience. So, so like the minute that you lead with that punch, okay, now you're breaking down all the invisible walls. And here's the crazy thing. Your community responds in a way that you've never seen them respond before. And the second thing is it frees you. Because we all have these skeletons in our closets. We're like, well, I don't want to tell that story. I don't want to do that thing. I don't want... Why are we diffusing the way that human behavior suggests that we connect with other people? You know, if you walk into a bar and you see a girl that's attractive and you're like, hey, I'm going to walk up and nice shoes. Want to, you know, like how many times does that work for somebody? One out of a hundred, one of a thousand, you know, like what are the chances of success in that? And also, how are you energetically showing up in the world? It has a like net net failure, lose, lose situation. Yet, typically when we meet someone, we try to find common ground. We try to find an area of where we can actually connect with them on a basis that's human and not just what can I get or give into this relationship. And that's the problem is like when we show up in the world uh, trying to project, trying to show an image that's not true, trying to whatever, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for failure because it is a they want something from you relationship and they become energy vampires and they literally will suck the life out of you. And that's what happened in my agency. It wasn't centered on purpose. It was centered on profit. And what did I get? <laughs> Energy vampires, people who just wanted to take, employees who wanted to take. We had you know, clients who just wanted to take. They felt like it was the next big shiny thing. And it was the absolute biggest misstep that I ever made as a business owner. But lesson learned. And so now I show up in the world very differently. Man, that's powerful stuff. I feel like you're preaching to the choir today. Like you're telling me stuff that I need to be reminded of consistently. And I appreciate that. So Do you know that, man? Um, the truth is, you know, you've had ups and downs. And another truth is you're going to have other downs. Like that's just the nature of, you know, life. It's the nature of business. It's the nature of being a human. Those ups and downs are, are going to continue to happen. But oh, one of the most important tools that we have, according to you, to to handle the the downs, especially our relationships, right? So relationships can be used, you know, in the, in the low times, but relationships can also be used to create more good times, right? So the, the term I know you use is relationships are rocket fuel. Can you explain that a little bit and just kind of stress the importance of relationships? Yeah, man. So the whole idea on relationships or rocket ships, where it came from was that I was actually sitting in San Diego uh, at a meetup with my mastermind. And it was right after I had closed those 35 clients in 35 days. And I was sitting there with my coach and I was like, 
pretty emotional in that moment. And I just said like, he was like kind of, so what's your recap on the weekend? And I was like, I don't know, man, relationships are rocket ships because without you and without your leadership and without your mentorship with no strings attached, he's the best coach, best mentor I've ever had in my life. No strings attached. I would not be sitting here today. I would have not just hung out with Billie Jean, Todd Herman, like all these huge people in this industry if it wasn't for you creating access and opportunity. And there was just a massive indebtedness. Um, he's a very, uh, um, how do I say it? He likes to pull people under his wing that he knows can thrive in that type of environment. And that's what he's done for me. And so um, he's just been an incredible, incredible person. But like through that experience, it led me to where I'm at today. And so that's where we were six months ago. He took me under his wing. He said, do this thing. Like I show up and then I meet like more people who are important in the space, develop my own relationship, start doing work for them. Um, when it was in a done for you model still. But then when we fast forward to today, I asked him a question. Um, it was in, uh, it was in June and I said, Hey dude, listen, um, I don't want to keep focusing on building frameworks. I feel like I've been in this two year cycle of like trying to figure out my product. Um, I've used a segment of your IP that you've never released. It's going to be coming out in a book in December. But I said, I'm going to like, I want to present to you the opportunity to be able to use that IP and then pay you a percentage of my business. I said, but in order to do that, here's what I need from you. A three-year commitment. I need you to understand that I feel that my mission is to train 500,000 entrepreneurs on this system. Right. And I start like listing off the things like that I believe are possible. And I said, if there's one of these things that you do not believe, then I'm going to end this conversation right now. I don't ever want to talk about it again. That was a commitment to myself to show up and to be able to say, if the person who I believe believes the most amount in me as a business owner, as a coach, as somebody who can create a lot of change in the world, if I can adopt his belief system in a weak moment, but also at the same time, really get crystal clear on what I believe is possible for myself. And there's agreeance, like this thing's going to be really easy. And so same guy, right? This is the same guy that helped me way back um, when I was struggling. And he said, like, just get three people. So I go to him and I'm like, so this is the deal. Is this something you want to do? And do you believe these things? And he said, absolutely. One, one thousand percent. He said, in fact, you'll probably be better known for my IP than I ever will. And he said, I'm totally OK with that. Don't ever mention my name on a stage. That's integrity. And the other yeah. side of the integrity coin is the fact that he knows that I will. because I already have today. <laughs> so like that's the benefit right so at the end of the day uh just uh, about a couple of weeks ago um he had me go into a segment of coaching of this kind of three-tiered structure on product starts with one-on-ones go to group programs and then go to accelerators or courses um so he's like i just want you to get you know three or four people same type of thing in one-on-ones you're gonna do it for this cost and whatever so i'm like okay i closed 12 and i had the best sales week that i've ever had in my life um, in five days, I closed over $125,000 in business. So the benefit of that is I made deposits along the way. I kept relationships high. Relationships are rocket ships. It applies to the people that you have in your life who are mentoring, training, collaborating with you. And it also applies to the people that you're called to lead. I'm going to help them ascend by my own ascension. I'm going to help them get to the next level by the investment that I created myself. Energetically, I'm going to help them push through that season of discomfort, just like I was able to do with my coach. And so like the, the, the necessary elements of, of what's required in order to experience a high level of growth are all of those individual elements, the people that you serve, the frameworks that you use, and of course, then the people who lead you. And so if you're not in relationship, if you're playing this isolation, lone wolf, I got everything on my own game, 
it's kind of like if you're at a party uh, in, in college or high school and someone swings out of the corner and like knocks you out and you don't see it coming. That's kind of what happens. It's that moment you want someone to step in and to be there for you. And to uh, whether you have 100 people behind you or you just have one dedicated person who's there to help you in that moment, it's something to just be very aware of. So the people around you, that's where your whole diamond field is. Like you have all of these amazing relationships. If you've invested in relationships and been vulnerable and are willing and, and, and able to ask for help. But uh, that's the whole concept on relationships or rocket ships. The people around you will take you where you want, where you want to go. Well, I feel like we could keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. One of the last things you said, you know, be, be willing to ask for help is one of the biggest struggles that I have, you know, and, and, and it hurts me. I know it is. I, we don't have time to dive in that deep, but maybe on another episode okay, we can get into that. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you one of the biggest takeaways I've come from here. And, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, jumping on here, being willing to share your story, uh, share your advice, share your wisdom. Biggest takeaway is I need to go find a mentor. <laughs> yeah, dude. Now I look at everything I'm doing, like I'm, I'm operating on a, you know, a fairly high level in a lot of things, but, but it's all kind of independent and I don't have like a central mentor. So that's, I, I wrote it down here on my, uh, on my to-do list. There Find you go, man. A mentor. I'd love to, I'd so, love to make an intro for you. If you, if you're open to it, uh, Tony Grebmeyer is actually one of my mentors. He runs shipoffers.com, which is a 25, 30 plus million dollar e-commerce, uh, fulfillment center. And, um, he's a phenomenal person. Uh, he has, oh my gosh, a beautiful story. Um, but he's also like had a ton of success and I just went on a walk yeah. with him this morning and he's my neighbor. He lives down the street from me. Um, and so he's starting to mentor people. And so one thing that I'll mention is Mike is like my central advisor, just like you have know, the, the president, they have like a lot of advisors, but probably one person they listen to the most. That for me has been Mike. He has the most context on my life and all those things. But now I have five, I have five mentors, financial uh, there's one for uh, products and IP. There's one for partnership deals. Uh, there's one for spirituality. Um, and then there's one for, um, who's the last one? Who am I going through here? KK. All right. So then the last one is on uh, sales. So it's mostly like different types of sales objectives and things I'm doing. I just did a post about this the other day. So like having the right people in your corner is important, but I want to remind you, brother, Tiger Woods has four coaches just for his swing. Like the best of the best of the best. They have so many people covering their blind spots and also helping them improve that like no one makes it solo. Like give me one athlete, what, just one athlete who has made it to the highest level and been one of the greats of all time that had zero help along the way. They don't exist, man. Yeah. Like I'm watching the uh, Michael Jordan documentary right now. And like, it's amazing. They're going through each player and like how the coaches interact with them. It's so powerful, dude. So if you'd like it, I'd love to introduce you to Tony just to set up a conversation. And for anybody else listening, if you do not have a mentor, like please find one as soon as possible. I'm navigating people through some of the craziest stuff you could ever imagine uh, during COVID and all these times, both personal and professional. Um, there's a lot yep. going on in the world and we need people that we can hold on to when the, the storms of life get really rough. And so it's an honor that I'm there for people in that way. And at the same time, I want to encourage each and every one of you to do the same. Great, man. Great content. Great advice here. I really appreciate this. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, how do they find you? Yeah, man. So you guys can check out my site, nickcavuto.com. And my last name is spelled C-A-V as in Victor U-O-T-O. And um, you can check me out there, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I also on my website, I, there is a giveaway that I have on there. It's called the 13 types of content every entrepreneur needs to create. And uh, I was talking earlier about like the personal story. That's the first step in it. 
and there's 13 different types. Most people just kind of go in for the kill, buy my stuff. Uh, but I, I show you using like human behavior and psychology, how to start at one and go to 13. Just like if I was coaching you and dating and I'm like, all right, here's like the steps you need to take to build the relationship. It's the same thing. Um, so it's really, really valuable. A lot of people love it. It's a great framework on how to create content. And that's what's helped myself plus the clients that I've served generate over a billion views online. It's, it's a very similar process. So feel free to check that out, nickvito.com. And uh, yeah, otherwise just send me a DM online and more than happy to connect with anybody who's out there. So it'd be an absolute honor. Cool. And those of you that are watching on YouTube, we've got all those links and all those uh, different tags and everything in the show notes. Check that out. For those of you listening to just the audio podcast, you don't have that luxury. You'll have to memorize it and go check it out. Nick, thank you so much for being on. Uh, all you listeners, we appreciate you listening. Make sure to leave a review, thumbs up this thing, whatever you have access to, depending on whatever platform you are so that it gets shared more. We would appreciate that. Nick, thanks again. We'll see you guys on the next episode of AMPM.